That's my champ. Hey, good morning, Life Point Creek. You guys have a seat for just a moment. Uh, welcome to, uh, to our church. Uh, glad you guys are, are here today. Um, in the flesh, my name is R.C. Ford. I'm the campus pastor here at our, uh, our church here, and I'm just glad that you're here today. Uh, if you're a guest or even if you're a member, just glad you made a choice to come in to physically worship with us today. We have people that are uh, maybe watching online today. They'll watch the message later in the week. They're kind of maybe checking out our church, and we're glad you're here watching uh, we have some uh, members that are visiting maybe for, for uh, Thanksgiving holiday. So we're glad that you are watching online. I hope to see you here in person. Uh, but for you here today, like, I'm, I'm really glad that you see the important uh, for the church to be embodied in the flesh. And, and that there's something that happens here that is good for our souls that just, just can't happen watching from home. In John's third letter... In the back of the New Testament, um, he closed out his letter telling the church there that he had much to write them on pen and paper, but he would prefer to do, uh, meet with them face to face. So I got to write a lot of things to you, uh, but, but I'd rather be with you face to face. John knew uh, that being face to face, there was no substitute for that. He knew that literal church uh, was, was a good thing for us, so much to the point where in his second John closing, he says that, that being face-to-face um, is for our joy to be complete. Like, for our joy to be complete, it's good that we gather in the flesh face-to-face. And so I'm glad you're here today, um, and I hope the Lord blesses your time with us today. Now, also the, one of the ways that John closed out his letter, uh, he ended it by saying this, finally, greet one another, greet your friends, and he said, greet them by name. So he, he didn't just say, hey, welcome everybody, just say hi, how you doing, pleased to meet you. No, he said, greet one another by name. So we're going to actually do that this morning. All right, we're going to actually do what John told us to do. So uh, I want you to stand. If you're a guest, you can just kind of stand where you're at, right? We'll come to you. But I want you to stand up and meet someone in the room and actually introduce your name, maybe if you don't know them. So let's greet one another by name right now. Uh, yes, now, let's go, let's go. <laughs> so proud of y'all. I knew you could do that. Listen, um, it's good for us to do that. Like I said, there's a smile, there's an encouragement. Um, and so also, man, we know that a, a person who's alone in the room and is emergency too, we don't know what's going on with people. And maybe that just greeting is something that just kind of gives some life to them. So glad you're here. Thank you for doing that. If you are a guest of our church today, um, welcome, but I'd like to ask you a, f- a favor of you. If you're in the guest category, first time, second time, been a few times, but you're not, you're not here yet. Like you haven't jumped into that. Hey, I want to be here member kind of thing. 
Um, would you take a blue card? They're in seat back pockets around you. If you can't see one right now, um, after the service, you can kind of come out the lobby to the left. There's a little table called Connect Table. And so they can give you one of those. But it's just a little informational thing and it just tells us you were physically here today. Uh, you can check a box on any of those things if you want some information or, or you can just leave it blank with your, your name and stuff. We just want to thank you for being here today. We're glad that you chose uh, to be with us. As you came in today, you got uh, not only the communion, which we'll talk through that in just a minute, but you also got an Advent guide, a red Advent guide. Let me tell you about that. That is something that our, it's a gift from our church to you and your family. That is something that uh, we didn't buy that online. It was actually produced by LifePoint staff. A lot of people pitched in to make that thing beautiful and useful and great for you and your family to walk through this Advent season with some devotionals. So here's how that, wor- that book works. Book, page number four in the book, you don't have to go there now, but it basically says how to use the book. So we think we've simplified it to the point where it doesn't matter if you've ever done these things before. We think it's user-friendly and that you can do this with your family. You and your family are to choose one day per week uh, that you said, hey, we're going to come together on this one day to do this Advent devotional. If you want to go above and beyond that, you're happy to do so. Uh, and then in the very back of the book, there's individual readings per day all the way up to Christmas. So uh, use that book. It's a good gift, like I said, and we pray that it blesses your family this season as we get ready in preparation for, uh, to celebrate Christmas Day, okay? Um, I think you would all agree, probably do, we're handing out Christmas hymn books and Advents and stuff that the season, the holiday season's kind of like coming in now. And so uh, we know that because 94.1 The Fish is already playing Christmas music. So uh, we're there. And, uh, and so I had a, uh, a Thanksgiving thing yesterday already. So it's already kind of coming in. And then chances are this week, you're probably going to gather with, uh, for Thanksgiving in some kind of way. It, it'll, it'll probably go down like this. You are going to gather in someone's house, right? You're going to gather with your family. Um, you're going to greet one another. Some will be great and some will be awkward like the ones you just did a minute ago. And then after, after the greetings and then after you do those things, then sometimes in my house, I don't know if yours like this, it can easily turn into grumbling, like people start talking about what's happening in the world right now. Oh, it just goes on and on and on about the political crisis and all the issues of the world. And it could just so turn quickly into grumbling and murmuring and those kind of things. Uh, but then it, it, then it starts to segue into another part. Before you, you, you get to the table and you stuff sweet uh, casseroles and things in your, in your face and you eat and go into a food coma, before you do those things, you will probably pause and you will uh, give thanks to God for the many blessings that he has given to you and your family. That's probably what you'll do, all right? And uh, so what we do here, we're not that all, all that different from that, that picture, all right? We're, we're in the house. We're in a church house today. We are with church family, all right? We've already greeted one another. And we are also prone to a lot of grumbling, um, and Lord knows we're going to eat because we're Baptists, so we love to do all those things. But my point is, is before you do those things this week at your family's house, you'll do those things. Today, what we're going to do, we're going to pause, and we're going to give God thanks for how he is blessing LifePoint Church. That's the theme of today and where we're kind of heading. We're going to do that in three movements. 
We are going to thank God uh, for what he has done, what he is doing, and what he is going to do. And, and it's right to give God thanks and praise, by the way. Uh, that sounds pretty uh, obvious, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, we should thank God. But, but it's actually something we forget to do a whole lot of time. Uh, in, in Romans 1, verse 8, actually, Paul says that ingratitude is a mark of an unbeliever. He says they fail to give thanks to God and their minds are darkened and futile. So he says if you're not a Christian, one of the marks is you don't thank God. But he also goes on to say that if you do know God and you are a follower of Christ, you will give thanks. Now, just so we're clear, Christians aren't just more polite than non-Christians. We don't just have better manners than non-Christians when we remember to thank God. When we give thanks to God, what we are doing is practicing what is known as gospel gratitude. Gospel gratitude. Here's what I mean by that. That means for those who believe and understand that they surrendered to Jesus Christ, that he beautifully arrested them, And they gave themselves up to the custody of Jesus. And they've been saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. By believing in his life, his death, and his resurrection. And people who believe that, and they understand that the moment that they believe that, there is an incredible transaction that takes place. When they understand that they, that they were once alienated from God, but now they are with God. They understand that once they were blind, but now they see. They were deaf, but now they hear. They were dead, now they're alive. They understand that they were once in the domain of darkness, now they're in the kingdom of light. They understand that by Jesus Christ, they have permanent and forever forgiveness of all past, present, future sins, that they're right with God forever, that they are not an orphan, that they are a child. They, for those that understand all of those things, the natural response that flows out of us is thanksgiving to God. Listen to what happens if we're tracking with gospel gratitude. Psalm 7, 17, I will give to the Lord the thanks due to his righteousness Psalm 9-1, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. Psalm 34, sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. Isaiah 12-4, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Ephesians 5-20, give thanks always and for everything to God. 1 Thessalonians 5-18, give thanks in all circumstances For this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. So today, in the spirit of gospel gratitude, we're going to thank God. As I said, there's three movements we're going to look at. We're going to thank God for what he's done, what he's doing, and what he will do. More specifically, let's say it this way. We're going to thank God for what he did on that day when we look back to the crucifixion. Then we're going to look at what he's doing this day, the present day, the every day between the ascension of Christ and his return. 
And then we're going to look forward to the one day when Christ returns. All right, so let's look at those three movements. The first one is, is let's look back and give thanks to God for what he did on that day over 2,000 years ago on the cross. On that day, the whole of history pivoted and turned on what happened. If you're a follower of Christ today, your whole life pivoted and turned on what happened that specific day, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And it is right that we stop and pause and give thanks for that day. Now, in the New Testament, the word thanks uh, has translated from the Greek word eucharistio, which where we get the word Eucharist, right? Eucharist, it's called Eucharist, it's called communion, or it's called the Lord's Supper. And it is at that table that we are to give thanks to God for the cross. That's what Jesus did on all four Gospels. Before he broke bread and passed it around, it says that he gave thanks for the body and the blood that was to come. Look at what he said in 1 Corinthians. Paul said this, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. A couple of things I want you to see in that text. The Lord's Supper is not a plaything or a private thing. Uh, so it's not a play thing. It's not a casual thing that we just kind of do with um, pizza crust and Cokes. That's not, we don't do that. Uh, Jesus didn't consecrate those things. He consecrated bread and wine or juice. Um, he also didn't mean it to be a private thing. There's a lot of we's in this language. It is an ordinance that the church does together when it gathers. And Paul said here, it's a cup of blessing. It's a blessing that we're getting to take in this meal here. Now, it's a blessing for us, but it was not a blessing for Christ. It was bitterness. It was a cup of bitterness and a cup of brokenness. The Savior's body and the Savior's blood was poured out on that day for the forgiveness of sins. On that day, he knew you by name. He thought of you by name as he's dying for the elect, all the people whose names are written in the book of life. He's dying for you that day. You were on his mind on the cross. It's a crazy thought. And it is right for us to pause and say thanks to God for what he did on that day. Now, before we do that, you have your communion elements out. Get those uh, in your hands here. And so before we do that, Paul gave us some things to do in preparation for the Lord's Supper, this appetizer that we're eating together. And so this is for believers. So if you're a follower of Christ and you believe in the life, death, and resurrection with Christ, he's the only hope, the only way you'll ever be right with God, you need to partake today. You sit at this table. You pull uh, your knees, under, scoot them under the table. You sit next to Jesus, and we're gonna eat this food together. But before you do that, There's a way that we have to get our hearts right. We don't come into the table as proud sinners in defiant rebellion against God. Meaning, 
If there's an area of my life where I'm in defiance of God and I say, I don't care, let me just take this meal. Don't take this meal. Do not eat it. You withhold and you use this time to ask God to break your heart for what you're dealing with in your sin. That's what you do right now. But if you're a broken sinner, ready to repent and turn towards God in that area, freely partake in this meal. That's what this is about. If you're not a follower of Christ, you withhold. That includes children in the room. You withhold this from yourself and from your kids because this is not a a play thing. It's very serious. And so we would want you to maybe, just maybe through the course of today, hear the reason of why we do this what it is symbolic of, and that maybe you would just have questions about Jesus at the very end of our time together. So let me give you some space to get your heart ready to prepare, and we're going to quickly move into a, uh, a space of celebration. So let me just give you a moment to do that. We thank you for the cross. And God, I pray that we have prepared our minds and our hearts to, to see the seriousness of the Lord's Supper, but also the celebration of it. That it is a reminder today of our confession in Christ that we believe. May this be pleasing to you. And God, we'll keep doing this as often as we do it until you return. Until we eat the feast forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen.
Mark 14, 22. As they were eating, he took the bread and after blessing it, he broke it and he gave it to them and he said, take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Church, I'm not sure what's going on in your personal life right now what sorrows you might be facing, what hurts and struggles and you might be saying, well how do I celebrate this right now when I've got this going on here's how you remember that through the cross the the body and the blood of the Savior that he has removed your greatest enemy and your greatest threat from your entire life your sin He has killed death. It has no hold on us. He has secured our future. And for that reason, we have reason to give thanks always in all circumstances. Is it harder sometimes than others? Absolutely. But that cross and his body and his blood, we always have reason to give thanks to God in all circumstances. So I'm going to ask you, I want you to stand and I want us to read Psalm 100 together. And as we continue and transition to a posture of celebration and thanksgiving to God for what he has done, let's read Psalm 100 out loud together, full of exclamation points. Let's read this together. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all the generations. Let's sing.
Absolutely. You guys can have a seat. I'm going to go ahead and give you a heads up. It's going to feel like a Catholic mass in here today. Up, down, up, down, up, down. Uh, we have talked about the, uh, we've talked about the thanksgiving to God on what he did on that day, right? Hallelujah for the cross. Uh, right now, I want us to transition and begin to look at what God is doing in this day, the present world. What is God doing in the life of LifePoint Church? And I think the first thing I want to thank God, or I want us to thank God for is his generosity. Thanksgiving is a major theme in the Bible, Um, about people giving thanks to God because they understand that all things come from God. All things are from Him uh, and to Him. That He's he's given us everything and we presume on it so often. The very air in our lungs is given to us by God. Our pulse, our conception, the blood in our veins, uh, our houses, our cars, our jobs, our children are all from God. He owns everything, and we are stewards of everything. He, we own nothing, and he's, we're stewards of everything, all right? That's my point, that we understand that he is such a generous God, and he has given us all things. And why does he give us all things? Is it just to bless us, just so we can live long and prosperous? No, he gives us things. He blesses us so that we will be a blessing to others. Listen to what he told Abraham, Genesis 12, 2. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. Why? So that you will be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing to the rest of the world. Listen to what Paul puts it like this in 2 Corinthians. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. God is the blesser. We are the blessed to be a blessing to other people. God has been so generous to this church. And right now, I'm not making a pitch for you to give a lot of money. Right now, I simply want to thank God and thank you for being a generous, generous church. I want to share some things with you that'll kind of give you a behind-the-scenes peek at how good the generosity of God is on our church and how good and faithful you are at being generous because of what God has done. Um, This 2020, think about 2020 for just a second and how chaotic that year was and how, um, man, financially frail things were in the world. In 2020, Life Point Church, because of the generosity of God and the faithfulness of his people, finished out our budget at 102% above budget. We, we, we landed. It was 102 in a pandemic. All right, yes, you can praise God for that. I'm not great at math either, but that's good, all right? 2021, man, hadn't been much better from the world's perspective, right? You know what we're on projection to finish the year at? Listen to what Natty told me the other day, Nathaniel. We're on projection to close at 112% of our budget this year. That's crazy. And we planted a campus in the middle of that. I mean, that just doesn't happen. And, and, And the reality is we know statistics. Churches have shut down during the pandemic. Money 
can't pay pastors, can't pay missionaries. Man, God is so generous to our church and you have been so faithful to continue to give. We haven't missed a beat. It's so good, the generosity of God. Let me share something else that'll blow your mind. 23 years ago, when we began building the Smyrna campus and there was the massive renovations and all the stuff they did. And then you, you, you chart the course of all the, what we've done through the years in church planning and buildings with uh, Creek a building, uh, Riverdale building, Arrington, what's happening over there, Bangkok, Brussels. We have been accumulating a, a debt and paying around $400,000 a year for 23 years. Imagine that note coming in the mail. 400000 a year. Break that down. It's 33-something thousand a month, I think. Imagine getting that debt. Well, here's what I want you to know. Today, all buildings are paid for. No debt. Last week, it gets better. Last week, uh, that debt that we've been paid, that promissory note that we've been paying for $400,000 a year for 23 years, completely paid off. This church is debt-free promissory note listen it, 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 it really is the generosity of God and how he does that through his people so like you understand how generous God's been to you by giving you the most precious thing in his life God he's given his son to you and then so you understand that you're overwhelmed with the generosity of the gospel that you just give you don't hold back. And some of you, you're in that. And I want to thank you for doing that. Through your faithful tie that you give. Don't stop giving. Press on. Lives are being changed. Our children are understanding the knowledge of who God is. Against the moral cor- corrupt culture that we live in. We're teaching them. We're training them up to be disciples for the future. Marriages are being transformed. Missionaries are being funded and fueled. All because you are faithful and responding to the generosity of God. Thank you for doing that Life Point Church. You're a part of a very healthy financial church and very, very generous God that we serve. So thank you for doing that. If you are here and you, maybe you're not partaking in that. Maybe you're kind of not trusting God that, that he really did give you everything. Listen, that's how we show we believe those things. It's not what we agree to in our minds. We show God that all things come from him by giving our tithe. That's where we start. So Maybe some of you, you need to show God that you believe all things come from him and that's how you need to participate. But that's just a a quick thing I wanted to share with you about the generosity of God. His kingdom is expanding. We're a healthy church and it is thankful to healthy Christians pursuing holiness. Let's stand again and let's sing and respond to the generosity of God.
All right, have a seat there. This one, will, you have a little bit more time to sit down on this one. But um, man, let me continue to thank God for uh, what He is doing. The next section I want to thank God for is how um, He's multiplying our church and our campuses. Uh, Paul was the uh, master church planter. That was his ministry. He wanted to proclaim the gospel and plant churches where there were no churches and spread the church throughout the entire world. And so he thanked God for that because it was happening. Um, look at what he says in Romans 1.8. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all of the world. Their faith, the gospel, was being proclaimed in all the world because churches were being planted in all parts of the world. Right now, I want us to thank God for him doing the very same thing at LifePoint Church. Six campuses. And because of his multiplication and our obedience to that, your faith is being proclaimed throughout the entire world. Let me tell you a little uh, church, LifePoint Church history to let you know how we got to six campuses uh, today. Because some of you, you, you probably don't know some of these things. You kind of pull up and you're like, oh, a little small church on 5100 Amelville Road, roll up in here, and a 200-seat auditorium. Okay, it's not real big. And so you can get, come in and think, okay, well, this is just a little small little thing. I, I want to show you and expand your vision because I want you to see here that you and I are a part of something so much bigger than what we see sitting here today. In 1900, uh, there were six, 16 men, 16 Baptist men in Smyrna that wanted to plant a Baptist church in Smyrna. And so for 16 years, uh, they kind of bounced around to different facilities and using different buildings for a church because the Lord had not provided a building for them yet. But in 1910, uh, they secured a building on Ridley Street, I believe, in, in downtown Smyrna. So they got a building, and, um, and, and it began to spread. And on that day in 1910, First Baptist Church Smyrna was born. All right, 1910, a little church history here. And so out of that, what began to happen is God began to grow that church for the next 89 years, slowly and steadily growing that church to the point where it got to 1999, like I said, 89 years later, and they were outgrowing their building. And so they had to do something about that. And then so therefore they went and bought the property over at 506 Legacy Drive today uh, and expanded to make room for all the people that God was bringing. So they built that campus, they jumped in. And then what they did though, is they were meeting in what is known as the hub right now. If you're over there, you know that language. They, that's where their gathering was. That's where their auditorium was on Sunday. Uh, but God continued to grow and grow and grow that church. And so uh, they ran out of space in the hub and they said, well, we need to build an auditorium. So they built an auditorium in 2004. Uh, that massive auditorium that's sitting there now. And so they're growing, they're big, they're usually the church. God's blessing the church and there's just all these people everywhere. And so Pat says, okay, we need to make some plans. We need to make a bigger auditorium, a bigger church, big, bigger building here. Let's just keep adding on. So Pat had all these plans laid out. The problem was that's not the plans that God had in store for LifePoint Church. Praise God that he kind of worked through Pat as our visionary leader and says, hey, not bigger buildings, plant churches. Multiplication 
is the heart of God and the heart of Paul. And Pat said, okay, trash the plans. We're going to plant campuses. We're going to plant them all over the world. And because Pat was faithful to listen to the Lord, here's what happened. Do you know what the very first offspring of First Baptist Church Smyrna was? Life Point Stewart's Creek. We were the firstborn of a church plant coming out of that campus over there. Pat was faithful. He didn't want to continue to build his own castle kingdom. He says, no, I want to plant another campus. 2009, Life Point Stewart's Creek was born out of that. We're here because of the generosity and all of those things and God working the life of Pat and all those things. And so we're, we're here, right? We're growing and flourishing and God's been blessing this community and blessing this church since 2009. Some of you have been around that long and you know God's hand is on this church here. And so, uh, and then in 2010, uh, Life Point Brussels and Life Point Bangkok were born. Another two kids, and they come out, and they're growing in their churches. And Brussels has had changed campuses two different times, but they're still thriving over there. And you have Life Point Bangkok that's happening. We're reaching Thai people over there. And uh, so God's expanding the church. And then in 2015, Riverdale was born, right? The, uh, River, Riverdale through the school, Murfreesboro, but then it became Riverdale. They got another building. And so God blessing that church through that, multiplication, adding churches along the way. And then... In 2021, as I said, in the middle of a pandemic, when a lot of churches shrinking, pulling back, being very conservative, what does God do with LifePoint Church? What birthed another church? LifePoint Arrington in 2021. If you were here, you'll know this picture. Check it out. It was a good day. I promise it wasn't this dark. (laughs) All right, there we go. Uh, The day that we sent out Matt... Stout. He was our associate student pastor and his wife, Tiffany, and his little daughter, Lottie. And along with him, 50 people from this campus here. We were kind of growing a little too big here. And so we got to play a part in sending out people to plan another campus in Life Point Arrington, to which today there are 125 so odd people there gathering on there because people said yes to church planning and multiplication. This is awesome. I I want you to know we are one church in six locations. That's a hard thing to uh, sometimes to rectify together. We're one church in six locations. We have brothers and sisters all the way in Bangkok and Brussels. You don't even know, but they're tied to this thing together called LifePoint Church. The people at all of our other local campuses at Arrington and Riverdale, uh, they're a part of our church the Smyrna campus that's over there. You know, off, you know we, sometimes we use language. We say, hell, that's the main campus. That's not the main campus. If they're the main campus, then all the other campuses are minor campuses. I don't want to be a minor campus. Do you? We're all one church, right? That's the Smyrna campus, the Creek campus, Riverdale, Arrington, all this. Thing. Like, we are one church in six different locations. And we are continuing to pray that God continues to multiply his church. We want to raise up pastors. We brought them up here. You see these younger guys coming through. Why? Because we want to plant more campuses. We want to continue the multiplication of what God's done, and we want to thank him for what he has done. We are a part of something so much bigger. And there's been so many stories that have come out 
of God multiplying the church and us being faithful to it. So many stories have come that if we would have not multiplied campuses, man, we would have not reached people that needed to reach for the gospel. Let me share one story with you. There's a lot, but here's a really good video uh, from Milan in Brussels. Check this out. My name is Milan. I am from Belgium, and I grew up as an atheist. Um, all my friends and my family were atheists as well. Um, in Belgium, we believe, of most people believe, that religion is irrational and that it contradicts with science. Um, and that is what I was taught in school as well. Um, so my friends and I, we live for pleasure. Um, we came together every weekend. We made music. Most of them were musicians. Uh, we drank a lot. Uh, afterwards, we uh, would go to a bar, get drunk, and we would repeat that every weekend. Um, so, after nine years, I found myself addicted to alcohol. Uh, I was a heavy drinker, um, and that was the time that I met my wife. It was in 2018, and she was the first person um, that pointed me towards evidences for the Christian faith. So that started me on a journey um, of reading a lot, thinking, discussing, asking questions, looking for answers. Um, and at the time, she attended LifePoint Church in Brussels. Um, so she took me along, and it was very different from my picture of the church. Because in Belgium, uh, if we think about um, Christianity, we think about the Catholic Church. And for me, that meant uh, old people, monotone music, uh, old-fashioned um, messages, old-fashioned ideas. But when I came to LifePoint, I saw that the majority of the people were young. My age, or like in the 30s, um, the message was relevant to my life. And there was a, a band playing, so it was very different and very attractive. After the service, um, a lot of people would come to me, I wanted to talk to me, which was really cool. Uh, you could sense that they had something different. They were loving God, loving the, the people around them, and loving me. They didn't know me, but they wanted to spend their time talking with me and get to know me. So I love discussing their faith with them. Um, and after a year and a half of reading, discussing, like going to church, discussing with Christians, um, I decided that I had to make a decision a final decision because I was telling my wife that I didn't want to marry her until I knew that if Christianity was true or not because I didn't want to marry someone who believed in a lie. But through my journey of a year and a half reading uh, reasons and arguments for Christianity, I actually already knew that it was true, but I didn't want it to be true. So I told my wife I had to be alone to make that decision and I booked um, an Airbnb so I went there with a suitcase with all my books that I've read um, and I remember um, coming into the room, throwing my suitcase in the corner and just go straight to the bar, start drinking again. I indulged in my sinful habits um, and the next day I called in sick to work so I could do it all over again and I did. Uh, so I found myself lying to my boss, to my colleagues my friends 
and to my wife because she was proud of me for like wanting to take this final step of making the decision but I wasn't doing what I promised her um, so I remember sitting on the bad side in my room and like thinking um, feeling guilty and thinking I'm not a good person I can't do this on my own I don't know how I should live life in a good way so at that point I asked Jesus in my life um, and I started following him so the week after that um, we were engaged um, that was when COVID started happening too so the churches got closed but we were blessed with uh, weekly services online which was very good because I was a new Christian and I needed to hear the message like every week um, I asked Pastor Luis to um, do our wedding uh, he felt honored and he asked me um, if, if he should do like marriage counseling too um, which was very good to really understand the meaning of marriage so in that summer um, 2020 is last summer uh, things started opening up we were able to do our wedding the church opened uh, opened up again um, so I got baptized too I started serving in the church and we also did, did like a weekly small group with Pastor Ray and we got to know Pastor Jordan a little bit better. So during the time I was thinking, okay, if, if there's a God um, and if he revealed himself in the Bible, I want to know what the Bible says. I want to understand it better. I want to study it. So that's why I'm now in uh, Waukesha in Wisconsin in the, the Bible college to study for two years the Bible. Um, and I know that we want to do something with the gospel. We want to do something with, um, with the word of God. Um, but we are excited to where God will be leading us and what, what God's plan is for us. Wow, it's a, man, we know that um, God was going to save Milan no matter what we did. But how awesome is it to know that we get to play a part in a story like that across the world, that through faithful giving, generosity, uh, that raises and trains up pastors to be sent over to places like that, that helps fund the church over there, stories like his. Man, it's just an incredible thing to know that you're being used by God for stuff like that. There's so many stories that we could tell. And as some of you read that story, or you listen to that story, and, uh, and you're like, that's my story. I was Milan. I, I remember that. I remember when I was intellectually trying to figure out Christianity and how I failed miserably at that. But then God beautifully saved me through that in spite of that. And you're like, yeah, here's what I would invite you to do. Share your story. You don't need a video to share your story. <laughs> do it in your neighborhood. Do it in your family. Do it in your church. Do it at your job. Share that story. And some of you are here and you might be Milan today and you're still trying to figure things out. Man, I pray that, that that story right there tells you what you ought to do. Surrender to Jesus. That's, that's the takeaway. So we hope that a story like that stirs you on um, that you would give your life to Christ. But it is, like I said, it's a great thing to be used uh, by God in church multiplication. The last thing I want to thank God for today is this. I want to thank God for bringing diversity to our church, for bringing diversity to our church. Back in 2000 and 
for, uh, not for, 2008, when God laid this sending church idea on pad and how we needed to reach the nations, all people, right? Not, not just feed America first, but to take the gospel to the world. And so one of the key verses in during that time for a church was just the Lord's Prayer. Listen to what the Lord's Prayer says, Matthew 6, 19, 9 through 10. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in that period of time, God starts to stir up that our church... Uh, would begin to usher in God's kingdom on earth and it would reflect God's kingdom in heaven. What does that look like? What does God's kingdom look like? We've seen that so many times in the book of Revelation. Revelation 5, 9 shows us. They sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain by your blood. You ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So our heart, back even in 2008, has been to diversify our churches. So what we're doing right now, we're not wanting diversity to come to our church so we can respond to racism. We want to diversify the church so we can respond to the gospel. Because God's kingdom looks like that, and we want our church to look like that. We've talked a lot about that at our church. How how the kingdom of God is not one color, not one nation, not one tongue, not one tribe. It's full of people all over the earth. So we are dead set against fighting against the black church, the white church, the Asian church, and the Hispanic church. We're dead set against that. We, we want to purge any lingering racism that exists inside of us that makes us afraid of other people welcoming into our church. We're all about that at this church because God's all about that, right? So we're going to continue to press towards that and fight towards that. But it's not just God diversifying the colors of the people in our church. I want to let you know that too. Diversity is not just race. Diversity can be in, in regards to generation. And I think God's uh, generationally diversifying our church. When I look at our congregation, I am so thankful that we are not a one uh, generation church, meaning like we're just all millennials. We only want to reach the millennials. Oh, it'd be so cool to be so hip and trendy and just fill our church with a bunch of young 20s. And I'm also thankful that we're not just a church that is just prone to drift off into old age and fill our church with just old, crusty people. that We can get crusty sometimes. We know that, right? And just, just, man, let's just get it the way we want it. Let's just, man, it's okay. And then those churches, they don't have any babies crying down the hallway at all. No noise, no kids running in the hallways. Praise God, we have a church. They have crying babies. A lot of babies being born here. And we have a lot of kids running in our hallways. And then we have Titus 2 men and women who've seasoned in the faith. And they've been walking with the Lord for years. And they're pouring into the next generation. We have a diverse congregation, and I'm thankful to God that he is doing those things. And we need to thank God for how he's doing that in our church as well. So uh, as we close out today, here's here's what we're going to do. We are going to uh, look at the one day. We're going to look at the one day. We've looked at what happened that day, 
this day. Now let's turn our eyes and our minds and attentions towards the one day, the one day when Christ will return to put all enemies under his feet, to ransom the church, to usher in the new kingdom of God, new heavens and the new earth, to just put an end to all of this world that does not follow Christ. We look forward to that one day. And so how we're going to look at that, we're going to look at this video in just a minute. We played this video before. Um, but this one day, the, the idea by looking at a future promise is supposed to change our current reality. We've been in the book of Revelation for, man, almost all year. And we have seen that God has already secured this victory Tomorrow's been won. The future's already been won. And so how we're supposed to live in light of that today. And there's a lot of things we are called to do uh, to get ready for this one day. Number one, I want as many people to be a part of that one day as I can. I want my kids. I want my grandchildren uh, to be a part of that one day. I want my neighbors to be a part of that one day. You should want all of those things too. We want to take as many people with us to this one day as we possibly, possibly can. And so we have work to do. We have to live sin as a church. And I want to tell you the last thing I'm thankful for. This is a me to you kind of thing before we look at this video. I I am thankful uh, for you. God um, has impressed upon my heart continually as I grow as a pastor to be thankful for the church. Paul was a uh, pastor, he had a pastor's heart, and he often thanked God for the church people. And I, I genuinely want to tell you, thank you. I am humbled. I'm honored to be your pastor. I wouldn't want to weep, worship, laugh, cry, and rejoice with anyone else anywhere else. I genuinely mean that, church. Nothing that I'd rather do than be here with you. And all of our flaws and all of our arguments and all of our preferences and all of our drama that we have with the church and all the things we, like, I don't want to be anywhere else but with you. I genuinely love you. I want to tell you thank you. I thank God for you all the time, okay? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to check out this video here. And then what's going to happen, we're going to show a video on the screens of all the baptisms that we've done since Easter, I believe. A lot of good baptisms. Every time we see someone baptized, it's gospel, gospel over and over and over again. And then after the video plays, then we're going to show uh, some actual live baptisms over here today. We get to experience and watch. We love our baptisms here at our church. We've got uh, a father baptizing children. And so that's always super sweet with our church. And uh, man, it's going to be really good. We're going to get really loud. And this next phase is into this thankfulness, celebration, excitement for what all God has done. So I love y'all. Thank you for letting me be uh, your pastor. Let's check out this one day video. Have you ever thought about that one day, the one day where heaven and earth will be made new, the one day when our longing for home will be met as God makes his dwelling place with his people? He will come down out of heaven and we will be waiting as a bride prepared and adorned for her husband, waiting anxiously to be made one. 
together for the one we were created for. He will dwell with us and we will dwell with him one day. One day, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Death will be no more. No more mourning, nor crying, nor pain. One day, the former things will have passed away. One day, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, will finish what he started. He will make right what is wrong, fulfill his word, and make whole what is broken. One day, a great multitude from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, will stand before the throne and before the Lamb and cry out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. There will be no temple, for the temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city will have no need for a sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God will be its light, and its lamp will be the Lamb. But here we are today, in this moment, while we still have breath in our lungs, we must fight against the enemy's lie that our lives are ours to live in any way we want. No, we must live as God's people. You see, one day is not just a dream of what might be. It's our future guarantee, and it should change our current reality. God didn't send us apart to just attend church once a week. We're called to this church to die to ourselves and to live sent together on one mission, to make Jesus known to every nation, to every tribe, and to every language. Somos parte de una iglesia que Dios ha construido día a día en preparación para ese día. Together, we have planted churches, seen salvation, celebrated baptism. We have fasted and we have prayed. And God has led us to go into our community, into our homes, and into the world. We've shared the gospel with the young and the old, the nearby and the far off, in our churches, in our homes, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, and in our workplaces. Our community has been changed because of a commitment to believe the right things, love the right way, and do whatever it takes for people to find life. The gospel has been shared in Espanol, English, French, Thai, Japanese, Portuguese. The hurting have found hope. The weary have found rest. The addicts have been set free and the lost have been found. We have preached and sung and broadcast the gospel faithfully over platforms that have given us global reach and gospel influence. One day at a time, God continues to give us a vision of how that one day, one day, how that one day, one day, change every day. Every day. It should change every day. Living faithfully, giving graciously, and going willingly. I can't wait for this one day. 
thought of this one day gives me hope. But I don't want one day for myself. I don't want one day for myself. I want it for my wife, kids. I want it for my husband and friends and family and people who have no hope. You see, one day he will wipe away every tear from our eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things will have passed away. So until that one day when we join him, we enjoy him. Finding life and living scent. Until that one day when we are one with God. One, one day. day. Hey, really quickly before we uh, get into singing, uh, I forgot a video in there. So this is the third service. My brain's fried. Give me a little grace here. But uh, there's a video that we want you to see uh, coming out of that diversity piece. It just gives you a glimpse of how God is diversifying our church. So let's take a look at that video and then we'll roll into uh, our baptisms in just a minute. We just want to express our love and appreciation to our church and uh, everything that God is doing in our lives and in our church. Uh, from the moment we walk into Life Point Church, we feel the love and uh, the appreciation of uh, the acceptance of the people. I am very thankful for Life Point Church. I've been here for 20 years. I've walked through a lot of seasons in my life, from divorce to cancer, and I am so thankful for how this church has carried me and my family through each one of those challenges. Um, there are times where we have visited church in the past, and we felt like. We are outcasts because, you know, there's no one there to give us that warm welcome. We have always felt very welcomed and loved um, and wanted there, which is really important to us. Walking up to the front of the church the very first time we came to visit and seeing people actually smile and greeting us, welcoming us to come in. And when we left, you know, have a great week. You know, when I, when I look back, growing up and going to different churches and visiting, even my home church, that was one thing that was missing, to be honest. To have that be the, you know, what, how we were welcomed that first day, I knew this was the place to be. I told my husband, this is it. This is the place to be. When we got in worship, hands are raised, music just touched our soul. This was the place we needed to be. We found home. We are so thankful for LifePoint because of the way they teach verse by verse. There is no, there is no skipping over anything. And because of that, it's opened up conversations that we can have with our kids. Um, and that has been such a gift for us to be able to meet hard things in different ways, ways that we would not have if it weren't for LifePoint. And many years ago when I started coming to LifePoint, probably 16, 17 years ago, this church was so different then. Uh, there were people that would kind of stare and look at you when you walk down the hallway. But now, 16 years later, a lot of those same people, when they see me, are the same people that come up and hug me. Thankful that I'm here, want to know how I'm doing, what's going on in my life. And for me, that brings me so much joy. This is a church that is so, so deeply and, and so sound in doctrine. Uh, it just started bringing conviction to my life. Um, it started to 
feeling the call. You know, I was saved by the time, but I was not baptized. So I started feeling the call. And after talking to, to my pastor, um, we realized and made the decision that I needed to go ahead and get baptized. And after I made that decision, um, a decision that I will never regret. Uh, it's just such a blessing how a church uh, encouraged uh, the community and, and their members to uh, be obedient to the Word of God and uh, to take these steps. I can testify that that, that change uh, in my life, uh, how much the Lord uh, helped me to grow, uh, to be that man, uh, that man of uh, the husband and the, the Christian father that the Lord called us to be. The living scent is not necessarily going somewhere else or somewhere in this, somewhere else in the world to uh, to do that, but doing it here and uh, through the deacon ministry, I've been able to do that. As you know, now I'm the deacon coordinator at the Riverdale campus, and uh, just being able to love people and build those relationships, and it's been a blessing to our family. So we, we kind of talked, and I was like, "Hey, let's let's go back again. Let's kind of see what." Uh, what's going on every Sunday. I'm thankful for um, how this church has helped me to grow through Abide and how they've helped me to find my passion to help other women and um, to lift others up. Uh, we love how LifePoint is just a gospel-centered church, uh, a church that loves the nations, a, a church that seeks the lost and leaves sin for the sake of the gospel. Singing and, and just worshiping God and just everybody enjoying it. I think that the focus on the kids' futures and teaching them how to study the Word of God I think is very important to us. I feel that I get equipped. I'm thankful for the opportunity to get to work alongside of men and women each and every day that love the Lord. Each week we go, we feel like we walk away with something. You know, we have learned something. We, we have all the tools we need here to live set, to tell people what it took for us, what we've experienced, what our children are getting, what we're getting as a married couple. Uh, we are so thankful for our pastors, our leaders, uh, and everything they're doing in the community. I'm thankful for LifePoint. We praise God for the place that is LifePoint. You know, they say, hey, you know, we can see the change in you guys. What are you guys doing? Say, we just, we getting the word, we getting fed. We are better able to honor God and worship God in the way that we are meant to do it. Thank you, LifePoint. Thank you for being who you are. Amen. Church, would you stand with us? We're so thankful for what God has done, what he's doing, and now we look forward to that day. So join us in worship.